Hello, and welcome to the Rebel Mama Hotline. This week, we are asking, what's up with postpartum periods? Why do they come back like the wrath of Satan? And what the hell are we supposed to do about it? And what's up with unsolicited advice? Why do we give it? Do we even need it? Well, we know moms have a lot to say on these topics, and we've asked our audience to chime in on each, so we can't wait to share some of our favorite responses with you. Yes, they're so good. Okay, so let's get into it, shall we? Starting with postpartum periods. What the actual fuck? (laughs) Why is it so much worse after you have kids, and how is that even fair? Have we not been through enough? Honestly... I don't know about you, but I feel like the first three days of my period are just a bloodbath that I can barely keep up with. Women should get minimum three paid days off for bed rest slash bleeding into the toilet all day. (laughs) Honestly, I wish we could just turn it off like a faucet once we're done having kids. That would be ideal for me. Oh my God, that would be so ideal. It is also hell for me. I actually feel like I'm being betrayed by my own body once a month. (laughs) and. I would even venture to say that one of the big silver linings of this pandemic life we're living is that a lot of professional women have not had to leave their house when they're on their periods. Like, this is kind of a godsend. Mm -hmm. I feel like one of the many reasons why flex work needs to become a universal thing is because we deserve that, right? Like, we deserve to be able to fucking bleed out in the comfort of our own homes. Absolutely. And I think that the world needs to come to terms with the fact that half of the workforce menstruates. Like, act accordingly. (laughs) So, as we were putting this episode together, our friend Charmaine, as you may know her on Instagram as Charmise, posed the question, if men got their monthly periods, do you think the world would be different in terms of convenience, cost, healthcare, etc.? Well, short answer is, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do think so, actually. (laughs) Funny you should ask. Um, But she shared some of the thoughts from her community, and they looked like this. There would be mandatory work-from-home orders during your period. For sure. For sure. There would be way more compassion and understanding. Mm -hmm. Medication would be covered by medical insurance. In the U.S., I suppose. Yes. Menstruation products would also be covered. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They'd be fucking free. (laughs) Yes. There would be no, quote, pink tax. So annoying. There would (laughs) definitely be paid time off. Mm Mm-hmm. And there would be a lot more scientific studies done on the effects. Yeah, exactly. Point being, it would look much, much different if men bore the brunt of menstrual cycles. For sure the sanitary products would be free and there would be paid leave. Like, how amazing would that be for us if it were true? Well, exactly. And then that just makes you consider the things that need to change in order to accommodate women, especially women in the workforce. Mm -hmm. When we get our periods... Literally nothing changes about what we need to get done. We still have to wake up, clean the house, make the meals, manage the family, work full days, and basically just shove all of our needs under a rug. All while losing copious amounts of blood, cramping, feeling uncomfortable, bloated, gassy, nauseous. Like, where is what is fair in all of this? (laughs) 
Oh, such a good time. (laughs) Well, I think it's on us to demand that time off to take care of ourselves. If we don't speak up, no one else will step in to help. I mean, it's easier said in your home, obviously, than in the workplace. But I now announce my period has arrived (laughs) to the people living in my home. And I delegate my husband and my child to pick up the slack because like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to cook. I don't want to clean. Like, why am I vacuuming if I'm the one bleeding while they're sitting there playing cards? (laughs) (laughs) I yeah, same here in this household. I think that we should just dramatize it like men do when they get the flu and just take the rest that we need. Let's just be big man babies, shall we? Once a month for a week. (laughs) Yes. So we also asked our audience to describe their postpartum periods. And they basically nailed it, as usual, in a few short sentences. Here are our faves. Gremlins with long, pointy fingernails scratching at my insides. Yeah, solid visual, accurate. (laughs) Overflows the diva cup several times a day. Yeah, I can attest to that. I don't want to leave my bed. Me either. Like labor and delivery, nine centimeters dilated with contractions, but no epidural and no baby. Useless. (laughs) And my personal favorite, fucking fuck fuck. Is there anything that word can't do? I mean, that perfectly describes how I feel. Yeah, honestly, I just, I truly don't think that men would ever make it out alive from the experience. No, I don't think so. Not every month. No, exactly. Maybe like (laughs) one time they would be able to survive, but not every month forever. Exactly. Okay. So naturally we had to bring in an actual expert to weigh in on this topic and break down exactly what happens when your period returns post baby and how things change or the worse it would seem. Miranda Poppin is a period and hormone health expert. And here is what she had to say. So the return of your period after baby is going to be different for everyone. A few factors involved in getting your period back after baby, including whether you breastfeed or formula feed, your hormonal baseline from before you were pregnant, and your age. Your menstrual cycle will respond to all these elements and respond with when it returns, how it changes, and how it makes you feel. You shouldn't have a very heavy or clotty period for more than three cycles postpartum, and then your period may be a little bit lighter or irregular at first once this transition is over you should be having a more even less problematic period experience normal bleeds less cramps shorter periods and this is the result of your uterus strengthening as part of pregnancy and labor so by this time if you still have a heavy or clotty period light pink or even brown spotting your body is trying to tell you something is up and you might have to give it a little bit more support to get to neutral grounds For all my breastfeeding mamas out there, you may not see your period for some time. This is normal, nothing to worry about. Breastfeeding suppresses estrogen levels and increases progesterone levels. So the longer that you breastfeed, the more you might start to feel the effects of low estrogen over time, might be a little bit more tired. If you're using formula instead, you will likely get your period back sooner than those breastfeeding. And the main factor in when you'll get your period back and how you're going to feel is your age. So if you are under 35 and your period seems to be taking a little bit too long to make its appearance, examine your stress levels and your sleep situation because those are two sources for delayed pregnancy. If you, She meant period, not pregnancy. I'll keep going. 
If you are over 35 and your period hasn't come back as quickly as you've expected, then you might need to take a few further steps to ensure you regain your menstrual cycle and fertility. Technically, you are in perimenopause. It happens to all of us after 35. And your body is naturally producing less hormones on its own. So your body might struggle to make enough hormones to create a cycle and support any ovulation. So I would suggest, if anything, maybe even adding maca root powder into your game to help with this. But in both cases, it's a really good idea to get your thyroid evaluated as this commonly gets stressed postpartum and can disrupt your cycle. Oh, hormones and female bodies. So much information. So much fun. <laughs> okay, so how do we deal? Like, how do we deal with all of this? What is your period regime these days, babe? Oh, well, for the past year, probably more than a year, I've really dedicated myself to figuring out how to do a waste-free period. And for me, that consists of a winning combo of my diva cup and my period underwear. Mm -hmm. um, Thinks are my favorite. I find they're way more absorbent than the knockoffs. Um, yeah, they can, they're great. I actually love them. Yeah, too. they can hold like three tampons worth of blood, which is mind-blowing. And they're so comfortable. Yeah, they look cute too. I actually, I think I wore them to like, oh, did I wear them to the Toronto Life event? I think, I think I you did. I think you used it as... Yeah, you used it as like under under fashion, undergarment yeah, fashion. Yeah, because they're cute. They're high-waisted. The cut is nice. They're perfect. Um, so yeah, those two things are definitely play important roles in my period life now. And also, I just become super, super reclusive. I live mm -hmm. in a Me too. very testosterone-heavy household. Um, three male humans and one male dog live here with me. So I just make poor sure Eddie. I don't poor Eddie, but he's like my period support friend too. He like is my little heating pad. I have a little Cavalier King Charles Spaniel dog who just lives to be beside me. Um, so basically I just make sure everyone in this house knows what's up on day one. So they leave me the fuck alone and it works. <laughs> yeah. I have a, I have a cat that loves to lie on my uterus and keep it warm. <laughs> when I have my period so that's great too but I definitely think making your family acutely aware of the space and rest you need especially in the first few days is so so necessary my son and my husband know all about my menstrual cycle I'm not shy about the details and I think they should know because a lot of the times women downplay it and it's actually quite traumatic yeah, um but now they give me the space i need and they're much more helpful and understanding and they definitely don't judge my snack game because i pig out on dark chocolate like it's disgusting they probably <laughs> love it they're like yes it's chocolate week <laughs> and bread <laughs> and carb week <laughs> carbs and chocolate yes mommy's on our period yeah i think your point about not downplaying it is so big i mm -hmm. feel like that's just a natural thing that women do whether it's because we've been taught to do that or we've internalized our mothers doing that or whatever it is but I do believe that talking really openly about periods with kids is important if you have a girl that's going to be her reality and if you have a boy then chances are he's going to have a partner or a daughter who is going to mm -hmm. have that as their reality as well and the better they can deal with that is the better the happier everyone's going to be my kids know about how babies are made. They're four and six. Um, 
they asked, so I told them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's as simple as it's got to be. Yeah. Just be honest. I keep things very simple and as factual, scientific, anatomically correct as possible. Um, and then, you know, sex and periods are both important parts of the reproductive process. So they kind of understand the idea of both and how they're related. Realistically, I just want my kids to understand how things work in this world. And they have so many questions about so many things. And I just do my best to give them really frank and accurate answers. Um, me and Siri are a really good tag team. <laughs> I love it. Siri will always tell the truth. Hey, just Siri. Facts. Yeah, exactly. And she's so like nice and calming, you know? Hello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I would like you to tell everybody your airport story on oh, how God. your son discovered periods because it's just like the most classic mom drama story it's so good it's so classic because obviously I wasn't prepared which yeah. is the classic mom vibe yeah. uh, so the first time my son really got his first-hand experience in women's house um, was when he was about five and I was traveling with him alone to BC and of course right before we boarded and of course almost a week early my period arrived unannounced like I didn't even feel this time I didn't feel my boobs hurting before like I did not see it coming um so of course I was not prepared I didn't pack anything so I grabbed him by the hand and ran, ran, like we were like a few minutes before boarding time so I like ran out of the line to the closest airport kiosk and bought tampons and pads whatever they had there which obviously weren't my you know oh, cardboard <laughs> applicator for sure yeah like not definitely not go-to choices God, who invented those that's a whole other fun topic <laughs> and they were like 10 times the price of course yeah. um <laughs> then I dragged him to the family bathroom where I had to deal with it basically right in front of his eyes so oh. he saw like all the blood in the toilet he was so worried about it he kind of just went pale and was like mommy do you need to go to the hospital are you okay you know what's wrong and it was kind of scary for him, but from there, I, I sort of normalized it. We had a long talk about women's bodies, why we get our periods, the reproductive system, and you just never know when that conversation will happen. But just like you, Nikita, I just think leading with truth is the best. It just explain everything the way it is. And I'm kind of glad it snuck up on us like that because we had to just deal with it right then and there. And, and now he's very empathetic to it all and we had a nice five-hour flight i was gonna say how perfect you had a whole five-hour flight to discuss this how wonderful for all of you seriously well you know what as i said his future partner or daughters will thank you for that conversation i'm sure so now the question so is funny. how can we make the uncomfortable feeling and pain more manageable because obviously there's a lot of prescriptions and pills lining the drugstore aisles, but like, do they even work? And can we do this naturally? Well, I'm actually allergic to ibuprofen, which sucks, oh. aka Advil. Um, I used to love their liquid gels for pain, so it was very sad <laughs> when I had to stop taking them. But now I find cannabis definitely helps with the shittiness. Yeah. Shocking to no one. We know that this plant helps with a lot of things. Um, and I know there are topical creams and CBD options for cramping and pain too. But also simple things like drinking more water help me, um, getting iron support like chocolate but also <laughs> supplements are really great if you have low iron 
and placing a warm healing pad on the uterus or your cat or your dog, which makes yeah. us like sound like grandmas, but it works. And it's so nice. Just <laughs> grab your dog and bring him in close. <laughs> Sit on my uterus. <laughs> but speaking of cannabis and how it can potentially help, we reached out to April Pride, who is the co-creator and host of How to Do the Pot, the podcast. She is a serial creative entrepreneur who launched Vanderpop in 2016, which continues to be recognized for its women-focused education-forward content. Love that brand. So good. And it was actually acquired in 2018 by Canopy Growth, which is the world's largest cannabis company. So let's hear from our girl, our resident cannabis expert, April Pride. Hey, Rebel Mamas. This is April Pride, host of how to do the pot and co-founder of the high guide. Thanks for asking me for some cannabis tips um, to help with postpartum relief, either period relief or simply healing after childbirth. I would say in general, CBD is going to be your friend. So look to CBD roll-ons that you can put on your temples if you're having headaches from lack of sleep. <laughs> and I know that LAMM, L-A-M-M, has a roll-on that's available at Bodega Wellness. And they also, the same brand, LAMM, has a CBD bath bomb, which you can take to relax your entire body and find relief if you can get a moment. And for healing in the pelvic region, particularly after uh, vaginal childbirth, you should look at suppositories that can help both with inflammation and to restore... Um, your cannabinoid balance um, within your receptors in your pelvic region, which will just, again, help to um, speed healing and get your hormones regulated more quickly. You can also look for a Pax Aeropod from Namaste called DM2, which is a high CBD strain, and it's exactly what you want to have on hand if you're having one of those moments either brought on by the first period or lack of sleep. A vape pen might just be your friend during the first few months of having a baby. And remember that cannabis acts like a mild blood thinner. So if you've had a cesarean section, please take that into consideration. And you can look at um, cannabis retailers like Superette. They have a variety of high CBD gummies and beverages if you need something that <laughs> keeps life a little bit fun as well. So good luck to all you new mamas. Yes. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's helpful info for any ladies out there crippled in bed right now in the fetal position trying to manage staying alive. <laughs> and as always, if you're looking to use cannabis products to manage symptoms while you're nursing, check in with your health care provider to make sure it's safe for you. Yes. So having said all of this, apparently there are women out there that experience their postpartum periods as much better after they have kids so yes, those ladies yeah i mean evidently they exist <laughs> i have yet to meet one um but for those who have better lighter shorter periods post babies fucking bless we are here for that and for everybody else we hope that you found this segment helpful and informative you can always count on the rebel mama private group as well for a safe place to lay <laughs> in when your pms rants hit Oh, yeah. So we love those. They're super funny. <laughs> On that note, we'll take a little breather. Postpartum tips, unsolicited advice, it's all in the handbook for cool moms. 
This girlfriend's guide to early motherhood covers all the topics you need real life advice on. Available everywhere books are sold, including ebooks and audio. But as always, we say check in with your local book or baby gift store to see if they carry them first. All right, we are back. And now we're asking, what's up with unsolicited advice? Uh, (laughs) Especially for new moms, this could easily be the biggest bane of their existence. It seems everyone likes to chime in on what you should be doing with your life. Am I right? Amen. Whether it pertains to getting engaged or married, having a baby, not having enough babies, trying for different genders, (laughs) moving your family into the city, moving out of the city. Oh my God, it doesn't end. Endless. And this is why we included that language in our first book. If you've read the handbook for cool moms, you'll know that each section starts with unsolicited rapid fire advice. Mm hmm. And really, like, it's just so common for new moms to receive so much of this advice. And for the most part, it sucks. So what we were doing in the book is we basically challenged ourselves to only give useful tips, always deliver it with an encouraging tone and without any form of condescension with it. Basically, it was a bid to teach people how to deliver advice to new parents, which is mindfully Oh, thank God we wrote that book. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes even these well-meaning inquiries and pieces of advice can actually make you feel so much worse, especially if you're in this vulnerable state. So we asked our audience to send in some pieces of unsolicited advice they've gotten. And here are some examples. Sleep when the baby sleeps. This is my favorite. Okay. (laughs) What? Um, that I shouldn't leave my baby on the porch while I unload my groceries alone. I don't know where else the baby's supposed to be in this situation, but anyways. <laughs> you should just stop working. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, perfect. Mortgage is paying itself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you shouldn't eat spicy food while pregnant. You may miscarry. Yeah, okay. This is, like, not a fact. No, as a, why anybody as a Jamaican person, I roll my eyes very hard to that. <laughs> You can't get divorced. You have kids. Oh, yeah. Okay, so unhappy marriage it is, I guess. Perfect. And don't scroll on your phone when you're breastfeeding. I mean, when the fuck else are you supposed to scroll through Instagram? (laughs) There's literally no other time. And what else are you supposed to do when you're breastfeeding? I know that they're like, oh, you should stare into your baby's eyes. But like, okay. It takes long. From what I remember, it was like half an hour of boobs. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) So in our first book, again, we made sure to include advice on how to deal with bad advice and thinly Mm -hmm. veiled humble bragging. And we did so in a piece called The Almighty Mom. And, you know, there are definitely some people out there who have a terrible habit of unloading a little too much unnecessary advice. And that may leave you feeling like a shitty mom if you're on the receiving end of it. So here is our suggestion on how to deal with that. Feel free to apply it to your mom, your mother-in-law, the stranger at the grocery store checkout, <laughs> whoever needs whoever needs it. So, what should you do when someone unloads unsolicited advice? Be kind. All that glory talk is probably coming from a void that needs to be filled, so help a sister out. Listen, smile, nod, say good to know, or thanks for the tip, and do whatever the fuck you want anyway. Amen. 
You know more than anyone what's best for you and your family. And parenthood is intuitive and you need to listen to that inside voice so much more than anyone else's. Yeah, absolutely. But having said all that, I really do believe that most advice is coming from a good place. Mm -hmm. I think that parenthood is a hotbed for fear and shame and insecurity. And when we encounter those feelings, we compensate in really fucking weird ways. Like, for example, scarring expectant moms with your labor and delivery horror story (laughs) or saying something like, oh, you just wait until they're two or whatever to a brand new mom who's already struggling through the newborn phase. Yeah, I never understood that. But I do think that parenthood is a unique area where none of us know what we're doing. Yeah, and I guess it's like misery loves company, right? Exactly. You want to bring everybody down with you so you can all be miserable together. I don't know. And you would just like forget how to act sometimes. Yeah, well, (laughs) we can't forget that this is an instinct, like a natural instinct to share, to teach. And it's rooted in centuries of women passing down their learnings to each other through oral storytelling. It's in our DNA to trade insider tips and tricks, but I think we just need to make the effort to check in on our tone and how we do it. Yeah, exactly. I think we need to check in on our tone as well as our intention. And, yes. you know, if you're not going to improve the silence, just let it be. You don't yes. have to fill the silence. I feel like that's a, such a bad habit. Of people who don't know what to say, like that's okay. Just you know, don't say anything. Comment on. Don't say anything. (laughs) The lovely baby that is, and how excited you are for you know their future as mothers, and just fucking that's it. (laughs) (laughs) If you can't improve the silence, shut the fuck up. Exactly. That should just be applied to everything in life. (laughs) We reached out to our dear friend Michelle Bilodeau to chime in on this one. She's a mom, a journalist, newly minted co-author of the new wedding book, and most recently, a student of psychotherapy. We asked her to explain where all this even comes from and how to deal. So when it comes to unsolicited advice, I think women get it from all sides. So we get it when, like the second we get engaged, we get wedding advice. advice. The second we're pregnant or showing, we get advice about the baby. And, you know, even when we're mothers, we get advice on how to raise our children. And and it can be really frustrating. But I think from a sociological perspective, it's kind of what has saved the species. So if you look back, um, you know, to cavewoman and caveman times, like there's a reason the human race survived. And part of that, a big part of that is because women like to talk and they would talk to each other and they would say, you know, don't eat those berries over there or, you know, don't go over there because there's a pack of like wild tigers over that way. So that type of gossip has gotten, you know, like a negative connotation as of, you know, maybe the last 100 years. But it really did help protect the species. The problem with now is when we give unsolicited advice to people, specifically to moms, new moms, first time moms, it seems to come from, you know, or it seems to come with some judgment that we're not quite um, expecting. And I think especially first time moms can be quite vulnerable. So having someone give you some advice might come across as a bit judgy or unwarranted and, you know, unwanted. Um, And I definitely felt that in the early days after I had my daughter. So what I tried to do is I tried to lean into 
um, kind of my my skill set being a journalist and an editor in that I learned to edit people's advice. And I think, you know, say someone gives you three pieces of advice, for example, if two of those pieces are something that you think might be of value to you and your family, go ahead and use it. But if there's a piece of advice that doesn't feel right to you, you don't have to use it at all. Um, I think, you know, at the heart of it, people are generally trying to, you know, keep the species alive. And I think they're trying to be helpful. Um, if you are someone who does give unsolicited advice, just watch your tone. Um, and don't expect that that person will always take that advice or adhere to that advice. And if you're someone who's getting advice, definitely edit accordingly and always do what works for you and your family. Yeah, I love her method of editing advice and only taking what you need. That's a solid tip because there is wisdom to be plucked out sometimes, even if it's from your mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. Mine is great, though, for the record. I know, plus so is mine. But it does definitely help to understand where they're coming from, as you said. You know, maybe it's their first grandchild and they're just really excited mm -hmm. and they're really trying to help. And sure, their methods might be 50 years old, but there might be some thing useful in there so yeah mm -hmm. edit out what's going to work for you for sure and put that into place and also you know if you're getting advice that really doesn't feel supportive you feel like you're getting nagged and annoyed then you do have to learn how to really speak up for yourself and advocate for yourself or have your partner step in if it's coming from his side of the family um you know it's perfectly okay to set a boundary and just say you know thank you so much for all your words of advice but we like our own way of doing things and I hope you can respect that too. Done. Yeah, there's nice ways of saying things too and I think sometimes people need to hear it and sometimes people aren't aware of how their advice is landing either so it's kind of nice to flag it for them. Yes. <laughs> but um, I also think it's important to note here that if you yourself are about to divulge some advice, just take a moment and be mindful on what's about to come out of your mouth. Yes. Everyone's life and motherhood journey is so unique and there are many moving parts that you may not be aware of and sometimes even the most nonchalant comments like, are you going to try for another baby? They can be very triggering for a mom who has dealt with a recent miscarriage you know nothing about. You just, you really don't know what people are going through. So just try to be mindful and look at all the angles. I find that very helpful. I totally agree. And yeah, just always lead with kindness and always choose your words carefully. Ah, the kinds of sentiments we love to close with. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. We are so excited because our little podcast baby has already garnered over 1,100 downloads on our first Ooh. few episodes. So awesome. So we'll keep doing what we're doing and you keep tuning in and sharing with your friends. Deal? Yeah, share this shit. <laughs> and we'll catch you next week when we ask, do we know? <laughs> We gotta stop saying that at the end because no, we don't know. Maybe we should talk about like perimenopause or something because when Miranda Poppin mentioned that, it like sent a cold shiver down my spine. I know, it sounds so crazy, right? It's, I mean, over 35 is when it happens. Maybe we should be talking about this. <laughs> well, we can also talk about how <laughs> when you're over 40, your pregnancy is referred to as geriatric, <sighs> <laughs> which is like a slap in the face but anyways you guys if you want to chime in with things you want to talk about or whatever we're all ears 
and we want to know what you're thinking about and want to talk about for sure. Yes. So we have to thank our wonderful guests who chimed in today. Miranda Poppin, April Pride, Michelle Bilodeau. Yeah, they're awesome. Anybody else pop in today? No, that's it. Just us. (laughs) Just us (laughs) and our community, of course. Thanks again for joining us. See you next time on the Rebel Mama Hotline. The song you're listening to is called Name and Number off the debut album Unrequited by Roshan. Stream it now on Apple Music.